This is what it means to be a saint, though. It means to accept God's free gift of grace. Matter of fact, let's practice. Somebody say grace. Grace is not just somebody's name. Grace is a free gift that God gives us. Here's another thing that you need to know. We're going to call these the ABCs. You need to accept God's gift of grace. You need to believe in your heart, as Romans 10.9 says, and then you need to confess your sin. If you're ever going to school or tomorrow when you go onto your campus, I encourage you to do this. You need to tell them, I know the ABCs to save your life. You should accept God's free gift of grace. You should believe in your heart and then you confess your sin. But I got two more. The other one is this word repent. This is what repent means. You will live and be different. If I had to further explain, it means to think differently. In fact, there's another one. It means to pursue righteousness, a.k.a. to live holy. So, Pastor Will, what is a saint? We said it last week. The definition will be on the screen, and I added to this definition. It's God's holy people, but let me say it different. It's God's holy people set apart for God's special what? Purpose. God's holy people set apart for God's special purpose. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 says, to the church, to those sanctified, those who are set apart, those who are made holy in Christ Jesus, who are selected and called as saints, God's people. This truth communicates that no one is perfect, but as believers, we are all being perfected. That doesn't mean we are being made perfect. That we, Because the moment that you sin, the moment that you were born, you were born into sin. Therefore, you cannot be perfect. But God, through his image and his grace and his blood, is perfecting us. Are you following me? With that being said, all throughout this series, we're going to communicate this truth. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. If you are a saint in the room you got a past. Unfortunately, you got a past. That's, it's the reality of life. And if you're a sinner, guess what? There's good news. You have a future. Because everyone has been saved from something, and everyone is being saved for something. You got a past, but good news. You got a future. Somebody say saints. But today, we're going to discuss the current culture of Christianity the current culture of Christianity, how believers seem to have a desire for notoriety, for popularity, for celebrity status. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to go viral. Everybody wants to get paid from their social media accounts. Wouldn't that be be amazing? How our world makes Christianity about us when it's not about us, it's about Jesus. We seem to be so consumed with ourselves how we get so caught up in this rat race of finding fame that we lose the mission of being found faithful. It's an issue. See, God isn't, in, God isn't in you to make you famous. God is in you to help you be faithful. John 3.30 says it this way, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. I know you think, you're like, man, Pastor Will, I didn't think this is what Christianity was about. Yes, this is really the main source, the main, uh, it's the main important reason what this is all about. It's about God becoming greater and greater and us becoming less and less. In fact, I want to say it this way. Please write it down. Being faithful is being successful. Being faithful is being successful. Pastor Will, why are you Why are you saying this? Because think about it this way. Everybody famous isn't great, and everyone that's great isn't famous. However, everyone that's faithful is successful. You can look throughout your life. Everyone that is faithful, 
Every person that is consistently showing up, doing what they're supposed to do, honoring God, loving people, being nice to people, doing unto others as they would like them to do unto themselves. Everyone who is faithful, there is some sense of success in their life. Everyone that is faithful is great. 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, says it this way. It says, I have fought the good fight of faith. According to 1 Timothy 6, 12, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Somebody say faithful. Let me tell you why you're here. We're not here to be relevant. We're here to be obedient. We're here to be faithful. Wouldn't it be amazing that 20, 30, 40 years from now that I see you at a later stage in life and I can look at you and you can say back to me, Pastor Will, I've ran my race. I've been faithful. It's such a blessing when you go home to parents, when you go around grandparents, and I know this isn't true for everybody, but when you see people who have been faithful. When you go to school and you see your favorite teacher and they consistently show up, they're always there. They've been found faithful. We're here to be faithful because faithfulness is better than being famous. It's greater than fame. Purpose is more important than popularity. So please hear me. If popularity is your aim, disappointment will be your award. I'm going to say that again. If popularity is your aim, disappointment will be your award. I don't want you to be disappointed. In fact, because here's the truth, biblical Christianity is unpopular, and popular Christianity is unbiblical. So many people want to be famous for Jesus when the most important thing is making Jesus famous. I want to ask you, are you a follower or are you a fan? See, because oftentimes what we see is some well-known, well-meaning believer say something that's contrary to the Scriptures. If y'all knew how many students will DM me questions about a video that they saw on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, or wherever, they will DM me a video asking me questions about the theology of this statement, and this well-meaning, well-known Christian influencer is destroying the scriptures. It's important that we are found faithful, not famous. And because of their prestige and notoriety, some naively assume that just because they said it, it must be true. That just because they got so many followers, they must be accurate. They must be telling the truth. I'm here to tell you that that isn't always the case. So the first thing I want to say, the first thing I need to say to you is I'm sorry. I'm sorry if someone misrepresented Jesus to you. I apologize if they weren't the best example of Jesus to you. I'm even more sorry if it was me. But guess what? You need to do the same thing, and you need to repent tonight, and you probably need to go to some people, and you need to apologize if the representation of Jesus that you show people wasn't Christ-like. Somebody say faithful. Come on, say faithful. However, their, misinterp- their misrepresentation of Jesus and their misinterpretation of Scripture doesn't give us permission to do the same. Just because they got it wrong, just because they said it wrong, doesn't give us permission to live wrong. It's not popular. It's not the popular thing to serve Jesus. I get it. When you go to high school, the furthest thing from anybody's conversation, the furthest thing for anybody's vocabulary is Jesus unless they are taking God's name in vain. I get it. It's not popular to serve Jesus in this day and age. I get it. It's not cool to follow Jesus. I, but here's, here's, here's my thing. Here's the issue that I have with Christian celebrity culture. I think there are too many Christians who are too cool for God. You're just too cool to serve God. 
You're too cool to do what he's asking you to do. And I could be petty and say some other things, but we're not going to go there yet. But here's what I do want to tell you. You cannot worship Jesus while you're still in love with yourself. You cannot worship Jesus while you still worship yourself. Matthew 16, 24 said, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes the first step in getting closer to Jesus is stepping over. It's getting over yourself. Oftentimes, the first step in taking into a relationship with Jesus, getting closer to Jesus, is oftentimes getting over yourself. Somebody say, get over it. Unfortunately, many believers want to be famous. They want to be remembered. And I want to ask you some questions. And one of the questions I want to ask you tonight is, are you okay with being forgotten so that Jesus can be known? Are you okay with being forgotten so that Jesus can be known? Paul said this, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. In John 17, 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Jesus said, I want to know God and to know Jesus Christ. He was saying, I, it's not even about me being known, I want to know God, and he was God. He was saying that to us. And at the end of your life, God is not going to say, well done, thy good and famous servant. He's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Will you be found faithful? You may never be known on earth, but you are known in heaven if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus. People may not know your name, but God knows your name if you are a follower of Jesus. Are you a follower or a fan? And what a joy to be known by God. In Luke 16, 10, he says, be glad because your names are written in heaven. Be glad that your names are written in heaven. For, for there will be some that Jesus says this in Matthew 7, not everyone who calls me their Lord will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only the ones who obey my Father in heaven will get in. On the day of judgment, and many will call me their Lord. They will say, we preached in your name, and in your name we forced out demons and worked many miracles. But I will tell them, I never knew you. Could you imagine standing before God? You're at the end of your life. You're walking up to the judgment seat. You're walking before the Father, and he looks at you in your eyes, and he says, I never knew you. Could you imagine God, who knows everything, looks at you and says, who are you? And then he pushes the button down to the other place. Like, it just, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel great. He says, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Listen, popularity is the cost of being known now to potentially being unknown in heaven. Let me say that again because that needs to sink in. Popularity is the cost of being known now to potentially being unknown in heaven. Celebrate that you are known in heaven. In fact, I was talking to James, and this is probably my favorite question I want to ask you. This is probably the best question for me to ask you. How many of us are popular on earth and unknown in heaven? Yeah, people know you at your school. You're a big dog. Oh, let me say it different. Uh, you're a big fish in a small pond. Like, everybody knows your name. You start on the football team. Your first chair in the band. Start, you're starting five in the basketball team. You're a track star. Uh, a bad song just popped in my head. She's a runner. She's a track star. Like, you know, it's all, it's all this stuff, all these things. 
How many of you are popular on earth and unknown in heaven? Number two. Somebody say number two. We make Jesus famous and purpose popular. We make Jesus famous and purpose popular. We, we believe in this statement so much, we put it on a T-shirt. We make purpose popular. That's what we believe is part of our unique assignment. But we make Jesus famous and purpose popular. But here's the thing. Here's what I need you to understand. We don't have to make Jesus famous because he's already famous. He's already known. He is the most popular person in all, in all of history. But our job is to make him more known, to make him more famous, because that's what fame means, to be known. Our job is to make it easy for people to know Jesus and hard to go to hell. Did you hear what I just said? It is, it is our job to make it easy for people to know Jesus and hard for them to go to hell. That is our mandate. Because when you get saved, when you become a believer, when you become a follower, you should quickly learn and realize your faith is not about you. It involves you, it includes you, but it does not revolve around you. Your faith has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus. Faith is about selflessness. It's about serving. It's about generosity. In fact, let me say this. If people know more about you than they know about your God, you're preaching the wrong message. If people know more about you than they know about your God, you're preaching the wrong message. Now, I'm not telling you not to tell your story, but you don't, the gospel is not about you. It includes you. It involves you, but you are not the central and key figure in this story. Which gospel are you preaching? Who are you trying to make famous, your social media accounts or your God? Who do you want to have greater notoriety? Somebody say faithful. Come on, say Faithful. The goal is to make Jesus famous and purpose popular. The issue with celebrity Christianity is that we assume that mass appeal equals maturity. We assume that people who are well-known, they must be mature. We assume that influence equals integrity. Do you know how many people who are influential have moral failures? It is dangerous. Maybe it's because the spotlight they are attracted to becomes brighter than the light that should be coming from them. It's dangerous. This is what we assume. We assume that charisma equals character. I know a lot of charismatic people who have no character. They are fun to be around, but you need to see them in private. That followers translates to faithfulness. Well, they must be faithful. They, they, they know everybody. Celebrity Christianity creates a culture in which self-proclaimed influencers assume the role of spiritual moms and dads. Are the people you're following worthy of imitation? Are the people you're following worthy of being emulated? Are they worthy of being copied? In celebrity Christianity, Jesus is not the center. And what happens is this is deceptive and incompatible with the Christian faith because it only acknowledges notoriety and whether or not somebody is verified. It's dangerous. Where people are more rooted in showmanship than service. Where their center revolves around themselves as opposed to Jesus. Where we are tempted with a culture that is marked by performance and entitlement. We act as if people owe us notoriety. We seem to be more interested in winning popularity contests and arguments than we are at winning souls. Pastor Will, I just want, I want to be popular in my school. For what? You should ask yourself what you're dealing with because that's probably an issue with your self-esteem and insecurity. Everyone wants to be known. Everyone wants to be remembered. But again, I ask you, are you okay with being forgotten? Are you okay with being forgotten so that Jesus can be known? 
Celebrity Christianity is predicated on the idea and the expectation that you deserve to be treated, treated differently and better. Y'all know I'm telling the truth because some of y'all, y'all are legit believers. Like y'all really believe in God and y'all go to your school and you look down your nose at the heathens. You like, Pastor Will, let me tell you, these people at my school, they cray cray. Like <laughs> you, you sit across from them in the lunchroom and some of you, you want so badly to be popular. They don't even know you're a Christian, but you sit with them. Want so badly to be known and you won't even tell them about the God that saved your life. It is oriented around the lie that your sense of self is based on the attention and the affirmation of the crowd. Number three, if you feed on the celebration of people, you will starve from their criticism. If you feed on the celebration of people, you will starve from their criticism. You best believe the people that celebrate you will also critique you. The people that love you will also talk about you. If acknowledgement and recognition are your motivation, faith will never move you. Do you care about what people think more than what God says? Do you have people around you that aren't impressed with you? Why do you need to be popular and recognized amongst those who have no control of your eternal destiny? So let me let you in on some insight from the Bible. Some secrets in the Bible. The apostles, the, the, the disciples that were actually with Jesus that later became known as the apostles were all martyred for being known as followers of Jesus. Martyred means they were killed for their faith. Martyred, all of them. Every last one of them. In the modern world, we get celebrated for standing up for what we believe in. In the ancient world, you get killed for what you believe in. Are you willing to die so that others might live? Let me ask it this way. Are you willing to die to yourself? That's what Jesus is calling us to. None of these men were popular for what they believed, but they were persecuted for what they believed. And they didn't have platforms. But what they did have, they wouldn't trade for anything. And that was the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. See, God doesn't need you to be famous. He wants you to be faithful to him. God doesn't need you to be known by them. He wants you to be known by him and make him, make him known to others. Some of, the most, some of the most powerful people in my life, some of the most powerful, influential, spirit-filled people I know aren't known. But they're faithful. They love Jesus. They love their families. They are content. They know who they are. They're, they're okay with being forgotten so that they know that faith has nothing to do with them. Number four, God doesn't design you to be popular. He created you to be powerful. He didn't design you to be popular. He created you to be powerful. I, I just think it's dangerous when we look for strangers to validate who we are. I really think it's dangerous. I'm not saying you don't care what people think, but don't care so much what they think that it controls you. The more people that follow you, the more opinions you got to navigate. I'm not telling you not to care what people think. I'm telling you not to care so much that it controls how you think. Don't let it control your life. Because here's some advice. Everyone who follows you is not friends with you. Everyone who follows you is not your fan. Everyone, that's everyone that follows you is not for you. Some people aren't following you because you're a leader. Some people are following you because you're their food. You're a snack, literally. And this is what they're doing. Y'all think it's funny because me, some of these guys who say dumb stuff like that, ladies, listen to me. You need to be careful when they use these kind of words. Here's why. Because some people, your destruction is their entertainment. 
let me say it this way. They have an appetite for your failure. They want to mess you up. And when they follow you, they do exactly what Satan does. The Bible says he prowls around like a, a lion. He prowls around like a lion. First off, he's not a lion because there's only one lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's God. But it says he prowls around like a lion. He pretends to be a lion. And I don't know if you know what lions do, but lions like to crouch in the thick grass. They like to hide, and they try to sneak up on their prey before they attack. And some of you got people ready to pounce on you. And you think they're following you because you're important. You think they're following you because you're a leader. In fact, you are a leader, but they are literally waiting to destroy you. Everyone that follows you is not for you. Fame and followers will not give you love and acceptance. Fame and followers will not give you love and acceptance. You need to know you are already loved. You are already cared for. Let's stop obsessing over who is following us and start obsessing over the one we should be following in the first place. People are looking for things from followers that you can only get from the one that you should be following, and that's Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. I love this. Here's the thing. Holy Spirit, thank you. No matter how influential you are, no matter how much influence you get, no matter how famous you get, no matter how popular you get, no matter how much God elevates you, you will always be at the feet of Jesus. That's a word. Like no, It doesn't matter how many people know your name, you will always be at the feet of Jesus. Are you chasing fame or are you following Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus or a fan of Jesus? Do you want to be popular or powerful because it's hard to do both in fact next week I'm going to preach a message called it's hard to believe it's hard to believe I, I don't know if you know this it's hard to believe we believe that God got a virgin pregnant and birthed God we're going to talk more about that next week it's hard to believe this I'm like wait a minute yeah we're going to talk about it next week it's hard to believe it's hard but more importantly I'm not saying it's hard to be both. It's hard to be popular and powerful. But I'm not saying you can't. I'm, say, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm acknowledging that it's hard. And I don't think you need to be famous, but I think God can use it. Luke 14, I'll prove it. It says, Luke 14, verse 25, a large crowd. Somebody say large crowd. Talk like you back into this thing. Say a large crowd. A large crowd, bigger than this, times 20, large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to the large crowd, said to them, if you want to be my disciple, follower, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Pastor Will, I ain't never read that in the Bible. I'm going to explain. He goes on to say, hate everyone else, your daddy and your mama. Some of y'all are like, that's easy, Pastor Will. My mama get on my nerves. <laughs> that's not what he's saying. He says, hate your mother and your father your wife and your children, brothers and sisters. Some of y'all like, Pastor Will, you don't know my family. It's easy for me to hate my siblings. They get on my last nerve. That, that, don't go there. Don't just Stay with me. Yes, even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus wasn't saying you have to, he wasn't saying you have to actually hate your family. He wouldn't say that, especially a few verses earlier, a few chapters earlier, he said, love your enemy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this, you should love him so much that it seems like you hate everybody else. 
you should be so in love with Jesus that it says if they don't even compare to the love you have for him. One of the greatest compliments Lindsay ever gave me was that I love Jesus more than I love her. Greatest compliment. Can that be said about you? Do you love Jesus more than you love your game? Do you love Jesus more than you love money? Do you love Jesus more than you love food? Uh Uh-oh. Do you love Jesus more than you love your clothes? Do you love Jesus more than you love anything? Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. And it's not that being a fan is bad. It's that for Jesus, it's simply not enough. See, you can admire Jesus and be a fan and still not be all in because being a fan allows you to cheer for the team without actually being on the team. One of the things that drives me crazy, because, you know, Georgia Bulldogs might pull it through Pete, you know what I'm saying? But uh, go dogs. But what's funny to me is when we get into college football season and I get, on, I get to church on Sundays and people say these words to me. It's funny because you got an Alabama, you know, hoodie on. So he was like, do I? Uh, they, this is what they say to me, bro. It's nuts. They come up to me and they say, man, we almost pulled that one out. We ain't on the team. Bro, you here. You don't know Nick Saban? Like, I don't even say his last, time, last name. I say it like I'm a no, I know Nick. I'm like, you don't know Nick. Like, what are you talking about? Me and Pastor Aubrey talk about that all the time. People are like, man, we on the team. We ain't on the team. We is on, like, you at home on the couch. Being a fan allows you to cheer for the team without actually being on the team. And we need to acknowledge this distinction because everyone is following something. Everyone is being discipled by something. Some people are being discipled by their devices. Uh Uh-oh. Some people are being discipled by culture. Some people are being discipled by influencers. And if you are a follower of Jesus, that means you are a disciple of Jesus. That means you should look like him, love like him, lead like him. You should live like him. How do you know if you're really a follower of Jesus? I'm going to give you a few quick things before I close. Followers choose sacrifice over selfishness. They choose sacrifice over selfishness. People are going to tell you, take what's yours. Do you. Follow your heart. If it makes you happy, you should do it. Focus on you. None of that is in the Bible. None of it. And none of that will make you happy. In fact, Jesus tells you the opposite. Don't focus on you. Focus on me. Look at me. Look to him. He doesn't tell you to look at yourself. And I would propose that some of you in the room, you're anxious, you're depressed, you're overwhelmed because you're looking at yourself. Please hear me. If you live a life focused only on yourself, it will be a life wasted as opposed to a life well spent. How do you know if you're a follower of Jesus? Here's the other one. Followers choose obedience over convenience. You choose obedience over convenience. In fact, there's a three-letter word in the middle of the word obedience. You don't believe me? Spell it out. It's a word called die. Nobody likes that word. But it's obedience over convenience. Because it's not convenient. Faith is not convenient. It's inconvenient for sometimes when people send me a text message and they need a word of advice or a word of wisdom. It's inconvenient sometimes when people stop me and they need to hear from God or they want me to pray with them. But how dare I dismiss them as if God didn't give his life for them too. It's inconvenient. I get it. 
Because comfort zones, convenient times, don't keep your life safe. They keep your faith small. Luke 14, 27. And if you do not carry your, your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Carrying a cross is uncomfortable. Carrying a cross is inconvenient. And unfortunately, to some of you, it's quite embarrassing. Could you imagine you went to school the next day, tomorrow, and you carried a cross? I'm not talking about the ones on your necklace. Literally, a cross into your school. People are going to be looking at you like, why are you carrying that? They're going to record you. They're going to say, isn't it heavy? Isn't it inconvenient? Don't your back hurt? Like, they're going to ask you all these questions. If you're strong, they'll be like, how many squats you do? You know, it's just, they're going to ask you a bunch of things. And I'm not saying you have to actually carry a cross, but you have to carry a burden. You got to carry the weight, the idea of death and deny yourself because following Jesus is not about people following you. You don't have to carry your cross, but maybe you need to carry your Bible. I told Peyton, I was going to acknowledge him. His mom told me he's been, he carried his Bible to school the first day of school. Simple stuff like that. Carry your Bible to school. People will ask you about it. They learning about science. You'll be like, bro, I'm learning about God. Like you, They're going to ask. And I'm not telling you to throw Scripture down to them. And if they ask you a question you don't know the answer to, you can say this. Say, I don't know. Let me let's practice right now. Say, I don't know. But we can find out together. In fact, you should come to my church and ask my pastor. He might not know either, but we'll find out together. Here's another win I want to acknowledge. We got students who bring their Bibles on Sunday. They sit on the front row. They engage in worship. They take notes. They're serving. This is what we need to look like. You are looking like followers of Jesus. Obedience over convenience. Because a life without Jesus might start off easy, but it only leads to enslavement. It may start off easy, but it only leads to enslavement. One more thing I want to tell you. The pain of regret is no match to the reward of obedience. The pain of regret is no, it doesn't compare to the reward of obedience. First Samuel says it this way, obedience is better than sacrifice. Is it hard to obey God? Sometimes. Most of the time. 95% of the time. It's, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. But it's worth it. Come on, somebody say right now, it's worth it. it, it it's worth it. It really is. It's worth it. Obey God long enough to experience the things that he promises you. It's worth it. How do, I know, how do I know this is true? You ask any believer in this room that's been saved longer than 10 years, I promise you they'll tell you it's worth it. It's worth it. I had a family member uh, DM me today. They have no context of what my job is. And they just said, hey, Will, hope you all are doing well. How, like, you know, how are you? And I said, I'm doing great. How, you know, what's really going on? How are you really doing? And then they literally said, you know, life just be life. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I said, so what's going on? It's, it's just hard right now. I said, I pray for you as often as I think about you. How can I pray for you right now? 
only reason I'm telling you that is because it's hard. But being faithful has a greater reward. Followers choose the cross over the crowd. You choose the cross. Some of you want to get lost in the crowd. You want to be a part of the crowd. But not, not the real followers. They say, give me the cross. Will you follow Jesus even though no one is watching? Will you follow Jesus even though no one is following you? Following you? If you are no longer seen and known, is Jesus still enough? Are you still going to come to church even though they stopped coming? Are you still going to come to church even though y'all broke up? Are you still going to come to church even though you got offended? Are you still, is Jesus enough? I want to invite everybody that will, if you'll stand up on your feet. And before I get ready to pray, I want to tell you that salvation is free, but following Jesus will cost you. Salvation is a free gift by grace. You receive it. But sanctification, saints, following Jesus, it'll cost you something. Some of you are like, that's the whole reason I followed Jesus, because it was free. Yeah, it was free. The next step costs you something. Your image, your idea of self, your purpose, all the things you don't want to give, your money, it's going to cost you something. Pastor Will, wait a minute. You didn't say nothing about that. Yeah, he wants to have your money, so money doesn't have you. He's not asking for all of it. Just 10%. We can talk about that later. Somebody say it's worth it. Before I give you this last point, I told my leaders I was going to give them a moment where I just wanted every last one of them that's been saved longer than 10 years to look at every female and every male student, look at them in the eyes and say, it's worth it. If you're asking, if you're curious tonight, I just want them to tell you it's worth it. That's it. So I'm going to get ready to pray. I'm going to tell you this last point. And then we're going to be dismissed. Is that cool? Fans follow Jesus for popularity, but saints follow him for power and presence. Pastor Will, why is that the last point? Why? Let me say it again. Fans follow Jesus for popularity, but saints follow him for power and presence. Isn't it crazy that you can be so close to Jesus and never really touch him? In the story paid in red, it says they ran, they brought out all the sick people in the villages, the cities, the towns, everywhere they went. They brought them into the marketplaces, and they said even if they touched the hem, the hem, the, hem, the fringe of his garment, if they could just touch it, all who touched it were healed. That means there were people that were probably around him that didn't touch it, that didn't get healed. Isn't it crazy that you can be so close to Jesus and never really touch him? Doesn't it sound familiar of another story, the woman with the issue of blood? You should go read it. She gave up all her money, all she ever had, all she known to do. She said to herself, she heard about Jesus, and she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. This story just sounds just like that one. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And then the moment I say amen, these leaders, again, 10 years or, or longer, we're going to wait. There's going to be a moment of silence, but I want, I want every person 10 years or more that's been saved to look at each student and say it's worth it. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm going to prophesy this because he is going to be this one day. Pastor James said this to me in my office. He said, being a fan is a trend, but being a follower is a choice. 
we're going to pray in a moment. You, you get to make a choice. Matter of fact, let's pray right now. Father, thank you so much for these students. Thank you for these followers of Jesus, these disciples, these saints. Father, I'm asking that as these leaders make themselves available to say these words over every student in the room, that they realize and they see in these leaders in their lives that it's worth it. Let these students receive in this moment. Leaders, go ahead and go and start making yourself available. Students, all they're going to say is one word. Yeah, Tiff, you can go ahead. Aubrey, I see you in the back if you can go ahead. Griffin, Caitlin, Lance, some of you. Just say it's worth it. It's worth it.